Hi folks, Rudy here with RPG Retrofit, the podcast where I look through old RPG adventure modules and discuss ways you can use elements from them in your games today. This episode, we're looking at the first Star Frontiers adventure that came in the box set, 1982's FS0 Crash on Volturnus by Mark Akers, Tom Moldvay, and Doug Niles. What is Star Frontiers? Star Frontiers was TSR's science fiction role-playing game that premiered in 1982. It uses a deep percentile system and seems to lean more towards the tactical and minis-based side of the D&D spectrum. The setting has a very much Old Western space vibe to it, a little bit proto-Firefly if you want. Generally, the published adventures had the players acting as trailblazers, being sent off to new planets to explore them for you know, future habitation or exploitation. It should be noted, as this is the pack and adventure for the system, it seems built primarily as a teaching tool for the rule set. It starts off getting the player characters into combat, which will show off melee and then eventually ranged fighting. Then the game switches to a hex crawl and like a survival simulator. And then it wraps those things together for the remainder of the module. The first adventure doesn't seem particularly beloved by any means, but I think we can always find cool stuff to use with a little bit of imagination and ingenuity. So let's take that trip to Volturnus. The adventure is split into a few different chapters. They are Space Pirates, Crash in the Desert, Creatures in the Caverns, and finally, The Ritual of the Quick Death. We've also got a bestiary of aliens you can meet on Volturnus and some maps, a partial map of the ship you start on, a hex map of the planet Volturnus near where you crash, and finally some encounter maps uh, for specific set pieces. So let's talk about ye old space pirates. This is kind of a bummer way to start an adventure, and you'll see uh, what I mean. Basic premise, your group has been hired to explore a newly discovered planet, Volturnus, specifically to find and study new alien life forms. The first group sent disappeared, so yay, you and your gang get a shot at it. You get put on a large starliner that's going to the planet. So here is the heavy quotation marks fun part. When you board the ship, all your weapons are seized and rounded up and placed in weapons locker. Uh, spoiler alert, you will never see these weapons again. So after some expository box text, uh, with a heavy emphasis on telling the players where the escape pods are, hint, hint, wink, wink, the sci-fi RPG equivalent of goblins attacking a caravan occurs. Space pirates. They've taken over the ship, presumably very quietly, while you've all been just chilling in your cabins. When the PCs leave their cabins, they're in for a series of fights with the hijacking pirates. There is a random encounter table that's set up a bit like a countdown clock. If you trigger a random encounter... They happen in a certain sequence, ending with explosions on the ship, um, you know, driving home that escaping on a lifeboat is the only way out of this alive. If the players make it to the aforementioned weapons locker with all their brand new level one weapons in there, guess what? It's been destroyed. Uh, the bridge is overrun with, overrun with pirates, and really their best bet is just the lifeboats it's getting out of there. Assuming they make it to the lifeboat which starts like a one-minute countdown the second they open the doors there. Uh, they'll escape the ship and head to the next section of the adventure, Crash in the Desert. So let's just uh, talk about that opening section a little bit. The PC's mission is to go to Volturnus, so throwing in this space pirate attack and then dumping them onto Volturnus anyways 
seems a little redundant. It's just basically taking away their ability to effectively fight and still dumping them to the place they were going anyways in the next section. The way it's set up now, the PCs don't get a chance to overcome the pirates. Um, I think if we're playing this today, we should be more honest with the premise. You could use the skeleton of this and like just as the setup for like a night of play without the specter of uh, Volturnus lurking in the background. Space pirates attempt to hijack the Starliner that the players happen to be passengers on. That's cool. That's a fun premise. Just don't destroy their weapons willy-nilly. We can still have them locked up, but make that a challenge to overcome. They'll have to find the weapons locker and deal with whatever's guarding it. Maybe there's a chance it could still get destroyed, but make that a consequence of their actions instead of just inevitable. Um, the overwhelming odds. We can give the pirate side the advantage in the situation. Um, we can say it's an inside job. We can say um, they take huge swaths of the ship hostage. And so the players don't know who they can trust. So there's, there's, there's ways you can handle that. Um, but just like making it sort of like by default, this endless amount of pirates that players don't have a chance of really beating. That's kind of, that seems a little bit disingenuous and like not fair i'm not saying it has to be balanced because i don't think that's the issue it could be super hard for them but at least make it a possibility that they can actually overcome this group of pirates let's get away from firefight after firefight and do some role playing to get to the bottom of this uh, or at least let's give them the possibility of something other than just brute forcing it maybe that's what they're in the mood for so you know the the age-old rule of learn to read your table or read the room. That probably takes precedent over anything else. So some good basic questions. Why this Starliner? Why did the pirates choose this ship to hijack? Is there something or someone important on board? Let's give them a reason for their actions and give the players some options for negotiating with the pirates or finding some weakness that they can exploit. You know, let's give them a Baby Yoda. <laughs> Overall, I think you can have a great night of play having your players deal with a hijacked spaceship. But I think an important key to that is ditching an extremely linear path for them and just setting up the sandbox and seeing what happens. Timers are still a legit and terrific resource for an adventure like this, but it really needs to be more than if you don't escape ASAP, game over, man. So next chapter, Crash in the Desert. I think I'm going to speed around the rest of the module and just sort of quickly highlight a couple of things that stand out. Our PCs have crash landed in the desert. They've got limited emergency gear and rations, and now it becomes a hex crawl for survival. Food and water become an issue. They'll putz around an inhospitable landscape, randomly encountering a bunch of monsters. Some cool beasties like sand sharks and tunnel worms. Uh, and there's three planned encounters in the section that you'll divvy out. Uh, the first one, poisoned wells. Hey, there's some water for you. Oh no, it's hella poisonous. Thanks, adventure. Uh, the second one, return of the space pirates. This uh, you know futuristic helicopter with space pirates uh, flies over the characters. If the PCs attempt to engage them, they'll fire and kind of auto auto miss. But then they drop this rad note at the end um, for the player uh, for the characters that says, "We know who you are." You'll never leave Alternus alive. Okay, guy. Drop me some water next time, please. Uh, the final planned encounter for this part is the 
when they hit the edge of the hex map or if they're about to die of thirst, they meet the Ur Mall. These dinosaurish alien dudes. They can mind link to communicate and offer to help the PCs if the PCs agree to join their tribe uh, through this like manhood ritual. So that's the basis for the second section, this kind of sprawly hex crawl. Uh, I do enjoy the monsters on the random encounter chart. I don't know if they feel wholly alien, but they seem like cool fantasy monsters in their own right. Uh, this section feels like it would be grindy and quite a slog. You have to almost die or at least you know get to the edge of this pretty big map to trigger the next chapter, basically. So that's kind of a bummer. I think if I really wanted a planet exploration section for my sci-fi game and I'd want it to feel a bit sprawling, I'd say let's do it as a point crawl. We can use the terrain to focus our players to the nodes where interesting events can happen. It could be your poisonous wells, your space pirate flyover, and some rad set pieces using the uh, cool sandworms and sand sharks and stuff. Personally, going super old school with the wilderness survival hex crawl doesn't really get me excited. It's an alien world, so let's make it weird and wonderful. Uh, side note, everyone get slumbering Ursine Dunes from the Hydra Co-op. That's a great adventure and a terrific example of doing a point crawl in a desert. I love it. And the other side note, side note part two, uh, there's a Mutant Crawl Classics uh, adventure, MCC, the free RPG day adventure for MCC that came out before the game actually released. It's called The Museum Out of Time. And it starts with a pretty cool desert section before you get to the aforementioned museum. And there's sufficiently weird and wild uh, sci-fi stuff in there. That would, you know, you could kind of drop in here. There's some pretty cool scenes uh, to play out. Okay, let's go on to the next chapter, Creatures of the Caverns. The dino alien friends lead the PCs through a series of caves for a few days. And here you get a dungeon crawl. A couple days in, there's a cave in, and that's when the players are kind of on their own then they have to map and um, find their way out. It honestly feels like it's plucked right out of a D&D &D adventure. But I can see how that's fun since your characters have like futuristic equipment and they're not from D&D, &D, they're from Space and D. Um, flipping through, this section seems kind of long. Maybe it's like 18 encounters or 18 um, key locations. But it feels like a lot. There's like a deranged robot that's violently sweeping the floor. Question marks are floating over my head right now. Uh, there's like a singing space pirate, um, space bears, an underground ocean. It could be a fun change of place, but this really feels like a decently sized D&D dungeon. You're sort of throwing at these sci-fi characters. Uh, I'd probably consolidate it down to maybe half a session's worth of play and then just get them out of there. If you're playing a punchy system, you might be good to go just kind of running it as is, you know, with the obvious conversions you'll need to do. But um, yeah, there's some interesting traps and in kind of environmental situations, environmental puzzles. But for me, I don't know if about a whole entire session or, you know, God forbid, sessions of this, I think I would, I'd be dying. I don't think it would take sessions. See, I think a lot of these old games, like when we were kids in you know, high school playing, we would play for eight hours at a time, like huge chunks of time. Now, as an old man, two hours is pretty good. Two hours is pretty solid. <laughs> Maybe three hours with the BSing on either end, but, you know. So if we were 
full of youthful energy and could play for eight or nine hours at a go, then yeah, this would probably be fine, that dungeon. So um, once they finally get their way out of there, it's been days in the cavern, which is kind of how I feel, like days reading this section. Um, but they emerge in the desert. And that brings us to the big closer, the ritual of the quick death. So your dino tribe friends get you pumped for this big ritual. And like they give you straw dummies that look like your, of the, they look like the characters, which is kind of weird, but cool. And, um, and you get a, basically a boss fight at the end against the quick death. Terrible name aside, seems like a pretty cool monster. The description makes it sound like it looks like a displacer beast, kind of with a little beholder head going on. But it doesn't have like cool beholder like powers or anything like that. But it's sort of got like the tentacle eyes on its head. But then it it, it really does kind of look like a displacer beast, sort of. Um, you get some backstory on it. It's some alien race genetically created it from like a common house cat and like warped it into this beast that's really fast and um, just like dropped it on the planet to just wreak havoc. Oh, great. Anyways, if you beat the quick death, you become a member of the tribe. Uh, that can set you up for future modules in the series or at least um, sort of at least sets you up for a way to sort of radio and get off the planet. You'll find some other survivors from a previous expedition and then you can it sounds like they just they make they make these things so difficult. But you you can make a radio to eventually call for help and get picked up. It's a fine way to end the module. Um, I've never played this, but I've had it in the past, and I've um, I know I've flipped through it. Um, the beginning chapter is very familiar to me, but I really don't think I ever grokked like the like the hex crawl part or like the the, the later parts of it because I don't remember them. I do remember the beginning part. But as a kid, I probably thought it was pretty cool, you know. And then, like, Star Frontiers, uh, going to conventions when I was a teenager, you'd always see, like, the old modules and the box sets, like, there for really cheap. So I know I've bought this stuff multiple times, but um, never played it. So that sounds interesting, you know. I don't know. I don't know if I want to play it, but I do like what it's brought to role-playing. So that's it for Star Frontiers, SF0. Crash on Volturnus. Thanks for listening. RPG Retrofit. And I'm out of here.